Good morning, everyone. My name is Pete, and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Epiphany Station. It's a joy to be with you. We are going to continue our series on the Bible. Just to give you a little recap on what we've talked about earlier, we know that God has given us His Word, and within His Word, He relentlessly pursues us. That's His goal for us, is that we would get to know Him. He created us in His image. And everything that is God is only good. And anything outside of God is evil. And so it's this lifelong war that goes on inside of us and his desires that we would just surrender to him. God moved through the nation of Israel for a very distinct purpose. So he would show, be able to show the rest of the world what love he has for us and his faithfulness and his desire that all the peoples of the world would be blessed and would know him. And then we look at discipline. A good father, what does a good father do? He loves his children. He disciplines them because they need boundaries. We need boundaries as adults. As God is our father, we are his children. This morning we're going to be talking about the kings and how God used kings in this whole process of us getting to know who he is. And specifically, we're going to talk about King David. King David, a man that is known as a man after God's own heart. And yet, if you know anything about King David, you understand that he didn't always do things right. In fact, he really messed up big time. We're talking this morning about the joy of confession. When we need to admit that something is not right, something is definitely wrong, when we get it out, we admit to one another, or another human being, and to God, that we're wrong. And God does something with that. He forgives it. First John chapter 1 says this, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all wickedness. To confess is to say, I am the one. But it's really more important than simply saying words alone. Because God looks for a tender heart, like the heart of a child. If we look in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and they're talking about who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and Jesus lowers this boom on them when he says, So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The humility of a child is a good thing when it comes to confession. I have a little story to share with you. When I was just out of high school, I needed a summer job, so I got a job working with a construction crew, I was one of the cleanup people. And so from time to time, I'd drive this old uh, 1958, whatever it was, uh, Dodge, Chevy, uh, Ford, I don't remember, an old dump truck. And I had it parked in a certain spot, and I looked in the, the uh, side mirror, I was going to back it up, and I, I couldn't see really behind, behind what was on the other side of the gates that were left open and bungee corded. So. I, I couldn't see anything behind there, but I thought, I thought it was, the coast was clear. 
Well, pretty soon I found out different, so I hear this smash. Now, there's two things that went horribly wrong right at that point. One is, the vehicle that I hit was the boss's, and it also happened to be brand new. It was a brand new Ford F-150. I knew there was only one thing that I could do, and that was simply confess what had taken place, what had happened. So I walked in, and I, I told the boss what had happened, and he was so gracious, he was even kind, and he just simply said, well, accidents happen, and hopefully you'll learn to look a little closer next time. It could have been a horribly bad day. It ended up being a pretty good day because I sensed and I felt that grace that was extended. That's what confession does for us. That's God's design to draw us to himself. Well, sometimes it takes a jarring experience, much more than that, that someone else initiates in order to get our attention. So the case was for King David. If we take a look at Psalm 51, David writes about an experience for which he feels deep remorse, but he also experiences God's deep grace and forgiveness through confession. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. We need to set the scene here. David, his army, is off to battle. David decides he's going to stay back, which is very unusual for a king. Kings don't stay back in the battle. He decided to take a nap. After his nap, he wakes up and he's walking along on his flat in his, in his home there in Jerusalem and he's overlooking the city. And he happens to notice a, a beautiful woman named Bathsheba taking a bath. He gets a messenger has the messenger go over and has Bathsheba come to him, he sleeps with her. Sometime later, finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant. Bathsheba is also married to a man named Uriah. Uriah is a great warrior and, in fact, very loyal to King David. King David schemes, and he decides that Uriah needs to get out of the way because he wants Bathsheba. And so he arranges it so that Uriah, when he goes into the battle, will go to the very front line of the battle, resulting in an almost certain death. And in fact, that's what takes place. Now, sometime later, a prophet, and a prophet is God's mouthpiece, somebody who expresses God's words, a prophet named Nathan, comes to David and shares with David this parable. A parable about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had ample flocks and herds, and the poor man had one little ewe lamb that he loved dearly. A traveler came to the rich man, and the rich man was unwilling to take one of his own flock to share with his guest, so he robs this little ewe lamb from the poor man. David is incessant. And he says, that man deserves to die. Nathan looks at David and he says, David, 
You are that man. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Point number one this morning. When we confess to God, we are literally saying, I agree. The cathartic effect of confession, when we confess our sin, whatever it is that's getting in the way of our relationship with God, we own it. It is at that moment that we utter the words, what we know to be true in our heart. And thankfully, there is an outlet that doesn't end with feelings of guilt. And David was painfully aware that when Nathan pointed very directly at him and his offense, and as a result, David sensed great remorse and recognized that there was nowhere else to go with this except to simply say, I am the one. And because of his sin, David felt conviction from the Holy Spirit and expressed with a tender heart that he was guilty as charged. So it is with our Heavenly Father. He sees a tender heart. And just as humility often marks a child, so he sees a heart of humility that says, I am the one. I own up to what I have done. Point two. We grow in God's grace when we confess our sin. Our core text that we use throughout this series is John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have life. Forgiveness is at the very center of God's character. Walk with me through this journey. Let's say we start walking north, and our goal is to get to the North Pole. And so we get to the North Pole, we keep walking. What happens? Eventually, we go south. But God in his word says, as far as the east is from the west, it's in Psalm 103, if you want to look it up. So if we take an airplane, and, and we fly to Minneapolis, which in turn to New York, and then we fly to London, and then we fly to Tokyo, and then we fly to Seattle, so on and so forth, until we come back here to Thief River Falls. We went east, we kept going east, and if we kept going around and around, we'd never, ever go west. That's how far God removes our sin when we confess it to him. We know that the longer we live, the more likely we will have things to confess. Confession is God's design to bring us back to him, to sense his favor. This is done in community. That's why one reason why God created the church. God will provide people in our lives to confess well and to confess in thoughtful ways. A church ought to be a safe place for us to confess to each other what we need 
to confess. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing, perhaps physically, emotionally, in relationships, and probably most of all, healing in spiritual ways that causes us and helps us to sense God's peace in the midst of confession. Confession highlights the significance of loving God and loving people. Point three, confession is God's design to align ourselves with him. How often do I recognize that I have offended God when I offend others? I cannot possibly be in a right relationship with God when my relationship with others is offensive. If I'm not properly loving people, I cannot expect to legitimately say I'm loving God well. Confession sets a right course with people and with God, but always begins with God. Now the whole nation of Israel had a lot to confess too. In Judges chapter 21 we read, now this is before King David, it says, in those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. The fancy word for people doing right, what they think is right in their own eyes, is called anarchy, and it's just chaos. Well, there was another prophet before Nathan, his name is Samuel. Samuel, another one of God's mouthpieces, and he was telling the nation of Israel what they needed to hear, but they didn't want to hear it from him anymore. And so we read in 1 Samuel chapter 8, as Samuel is struggling with the reality of what the people don't want to hear. And it says this, Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. This is a recipe for disaster. We may believe in some sort of way that People are generally good, have good hearts. It may seem that way, but as we look historically, it just doesn't pan out. Because every family has issues, every relationship has brokenness in some way, every situation that we encounter in life has within it enough blame to go around. We all contribute to pain. But a king, a king can be drawn to his knees in deep confession. As it says in Psalm 51, this is David speaking, Against you, you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me 
is just. David said, against you, Lord. The level of David's remorse is palatable. He recognizes that the primary one he offended was his God. David was, in fact, indeed, because of his confession, a man after God's own heart. Every Sunday, we do what we call next step here at Epiphany. And it's, I, I would describe it like this, putting feet to what we hear, putting feet to what is in God's word. And here's my challenge for me and for you this morning. Get aligned with the king. God permitted the nation of Israel to have a king. Why? Because they no longer wanted God as their king. They wanted to be like all the other nations around them. And so God allowed it to take place. Rejecting God is a thing that's been around for a long, long time. We can live our whole lives and not be properly aligned with the king and be miserable because of it. Or we can go to him regularly in confession and experience rich grace, unconditional love, and forgiveness. What do you need to do in order to get aligned with God? First, we need to recognize that the sin we commit is offensive to him. Then we make it right by God's grace. God sometimes uses people in that process of confession. He uses his word to help us understand the need for it. His Holy Spirit may convict us when necessary. And the opportunity to pray will reveal to us anything that stands in the way between us and God. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful that you have given us this thing called confession. It is a tool that you provide, a conduit of your grace. And when we confess to you the things in our lives that are not right, we can get properly aligned with you and with people. Help us, Lord, in that pursuit of confession. And thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.